Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. This is the Man Up Podcast, and where is here? Here is Sugarland Baptist Church in Sugarland, Texas, and in case you have a globe close by, we are outside of Houston, Texas, on the southwest side. <clears throat> we have a packed house today. I want to, first of all, I want to thank the fellas for carrying on without me last week, and, and me, I'm Bill Cox. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to go around the room, and I'm going to introduce the panel first. I'm going to have them uh, say something and then we'll talk about the scripture and then we'll go from there. <clears throat> Back again in the saddle, he is a policy writer. He is our he is our, our favorite recovery. He's Mr. Steve Titch. He's also a professional gambler. So we're so glad he's healing up well and he's back with us. We have an attorney, of course. Can you have anything go on without an attorney? But he's a prosecutor, <laughs> so if you get so if you get busted in Houston, you're going to have the book thrown at you, and it's going to be by Mr. Michael Cropper. And we have an insurance guy here, so if you're worried about risk, uh, he is also our class deacon. He is Kyle Trahan. Back again, and just want to thank you, Kyle, for uh, not only... Uh, hosting the podcast last week, which is on iTunes or on SoundCloud, but for mispronouncing Robert Koshu's name every time. Oh, okay. <laughs> not, right. hey, it's not an easy name, so you know, but we appreciate that. And you have, might have heard in our intro, we're not pastors, we're just regular guys. Well, all of us are, except for Larry Post. We have Pastor Larry Post joining us again. He is not only a pastor, but he's an accountant, too. So anytime we have a math problem come up, we're going to defer to him. Uh, we have also a world-class trainer for a Fortune 500 company. Uh, we call him the professor. It's Robert Koshu. And my name is Bill Cox. I am a, I'm basically a salesman, but I'm also a writer and actor. And I am the director of the Man Up Sunday School class, which this is a part of. We are in a men's only adult Bible fellowship. We go through this lesson. What we're going to do is we're going to read over the scripture. And then we're going to have this panel discussion among regular guys and, of course, one pastor. Kind of like a chocolate chip cookie with one nugget of chocolate in it. So uh, <laughs> we have two. And and one nut meat. Okay. Yeah, I was okay. Chocolate chip with one one chocolate chip and one nut. Okay, but also we did a couple some a, a segment a couple of weeks ago that gave me an idea while I was gone on two segments because this podcast is designed for men and what it feels like is what we did last week. Or what was it? It was two weeks ago. Steve Titch talked about what it was like to fall through a ceiling, which is what he did. Okay? I recently lost my mother. And I just got 
back from the service. And because this is a men's podcast, I just want to talk just briefly what it feels like. Some of you are younger. Some of you out there have already went through it. And let me tell you this. What it feels like to lose a parent. Losing one parent is like losing half of your root system. Yeah. If you were a tree. Thing about it is, though, you don't realize it until after you go through the memorial service and all the people. And then once you get back home and into your routine, it's not your routine. It's your new, new routine. It's your new normal. You went through the grieving process. What it feels like, and I hope, I mean, it, it, it's going to happen to all of us someday. So I just want as men to be prepared. What it feels like is this. Be ready to be that tree that gets blown one way or another with a root system that's only half there. Because you're a man and you're going to have to stand up to that wind and be the leader of your family and of your circle of influence. <clears throat> My other segment that I thought about on the long drive from Texas to Michigan and back was a how-to. I gave the eulogy. Just a quick tip on how to give a eulogy. Since we're all men here, people look at the men to be leaders. I'm a public speaker. I've done it. I, I was a DJ for many years. Here's my quick tip for doing a eulogy. Number one, be short. It's better to be short and having the people wanting more than going long and having people wish that you had done less. Tip number two, think of it as a stone. Stone dropping in the water, address the first ring first. That's the immediate family. If you have any, you're the, the surviving parent, then the siblings, then the extended family and then friends, and then the other people gathering. Acknowledge each of them. And thirdly, don't be a downer. It's supposed to be a celebration of a person's life. So think of some funny stories, sprinkle it in like salt, and be awesome. To give a eulogy, that's my point. <clears throat> How to... And this is the first segment that we're doing of this. And so we're going to invite all the other fellas as they experience life throughout these podcasts that they can do what it feels like or how to. And it doesn't have to be anything that it has to be something that you experienced, you went through, and that you can give the people that are listening out there. So if you have to give a eulogy, be short, address each circle as if it's a ripple like a stone hitting water and be funny because it's a celebration so and with that we're going on to our lesson five and we are in the text going viral the birth and advance of the church this is from the connect 360 uh bible study lesson five persecuted and scattered i'm going to go around around the room and i'm going to start with the professor yeah thank you bill um this is this is one of the more 
interesting lessons in the sense that, especially when you read our text here in a little bit, well, see, we skip huge portions of text. Huge portions of text. Yes. Right, didn't which I, I kind of like Mike, unfortunately. And we skipped a bunch in the beginning as well. But this, I think we get the seminal parts of this, and it kind of leads us to where we under, we kind of have an understanding of what happened in the early church that really caused it to start scattering and really spreading the gospel. They really, they did really well initially spreading the gospel, but they were very much clustered together and very much clustered among themselves. And sometimes, even as men, we tend to want to get in our little circle or our little piece, and sometimes we need a good swift kick to get us moving at times. And I think this is kind of the swift kick of the church on one level. Excellent. Pastor Post. Um, For those of you who will remember on, I think it was probably, what, four podcasts ago when we first started this lesson, I mentioned that uh, this was going to happen. And the, this that's going, that is now happening is basically what Robert was talking about. This is the dispersion through persecution of the, uh, not only the apostles, but also the disciples that Luke refers to throughout this passage. He talks about the disciples, and that's anybody who is now a believer. And... Uh, He talks about the dispersal of the disciples, and in one point he says, and all of the people were, all the disciples were dispersed except the apostles. And the, it's interesting that the, down through history, it almost takes persecution for people to be pushed out of their comfort zone and get out and spread the gospel. And that's what's happening right now. Excellent. Kyle Trahan, our deacon. You know, it's a really interesting uh, lesson that we had because it comprises of two parts. You know, the first is uh, the first martyr. You know, right, um, right, um, right. Speaking right. of that persecution, I mean, the ultimate of it, um, you know, which drove everybody out. And then the second part of it is, uh, you know, got a guy traveling down the road and runs into into, you know, uh, what was it, a eunuch, eunuch, you know, uh, from Ethiopia is what I was going for, you know, so somebody totally different, race, religion, everything, and it's that ends of the earth kind of concept of what this is showing, uh, where Philip meets that eunuch there. Michael Cropper. Uh, I'm, I enjoy this lesson tremendously, and I, I don't think we have enough time to cover it in one hour. <laughs> right, right, right. Nowhere near enough. <laughs> and you, you heard what Kyle said, most of you, if you listen to the scripture that Bill's going to read, like uh, Robert said, this covers about one-tenth of the scripture, one-twentieth of the scripture that we should actually cover, because, it, because it's fascinating. It's very colorful, and it shows you the work of the Holy Spirit, which we have been studying for the last four lessons, and the power that is with the Holy Spirit and with God and God's plan. What we'll look at is the fact that a man was martyred, as, as Kyle said, and while we would all get shaken up and taken away, God used this, in fact, for a good thing. And we always see things in our lives today. It happens to us every day. We'll see somebody hurt or injured, and we think, how could that happen to somebody? Um, and then the Lord will turn around and use it for some way and some good, which you see later on in a later date. 
So, Will, I, I look forward to this. Steve Titch. Yeah, I think I think the author intentionally uh, steps over the most of the episode with Stephen in the Sanhedrin to go get to the point that this is a a another diaspora. And when we were doing Genesis some weeks ago, um, we talked about how the 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 proliferation of languages got people out. It's it started a spread of 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 just of people and of although this doesn't this wasn't necessarily about the gospel. Um, it stopped people in one place from worshiping in a rather idolatrous way a a god and. Um, that led perhaps these populations indeed to search for the for the true God, and 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 out of that out of that diaspora ultimately came the nation of Israel, Abraham. This is this is a spiritual analogy to that, not a literal one. Um, as 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 Larry said, um, what, persecution is terrible, but one of its byproducts, one of its one of its upsides, is that. Refugees bring their culture. Refugees bring their religion, and in this case, uh, the refugees from Jer from Jerusalem, who were who were fleeing real persecution, uh, began to spread uh, this word about Jesus Christ. You know that is a very good point, Steve. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to um, read the scriptures here in just a moment. But I just I, I'm not sure which one of you guys said it. it may, it might have been. Coach out. <laughs> hey. No, coach. <laughs> no. Uh, but, but, uh, but I look at my own life, and I would not have been here in Sugarland, Texas, if it wasn't for hardship and suffering. I could not get a job in Michigan. It was an, literally an economic migration which forced me to leave my home in order to come here. So I would. We wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be a, certainly wouldn't be a part of it if it wasn't for my own personal suffering, and and, and that's what it was. I, I mean, it, when I finished college, I absolutely could not find a job unless I wanted to go back to a pig farm, and that's why I went to college. <laughs> it was not to not so be on. You can look back on this and you can see the hand of the Lord in it. Is that what you're saying? No question about it. No question about it. So. Uh, and with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, read the scriptures, and I'm going to start with Acts 6, 8 through 10. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Oppositions arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedom, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Sicilia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then we jump down to Acts 7, 54 through 58. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And now, continuing on with Acts 1b through 5 and 26 through 38. 
On that day, a great persecution growed out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with this very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. You know, because I finished up with the uh, story of the eunuch, I just want to say, this was kind of like the guy driving the armored car and him allowing Philip to come up to him. And there had to be a number of people in that procession. It wasn't just, yeah. it wasn't just one, yes. just one, one person. Well, you, you, you kind of get that from the text because it says an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. I guarantee you he was not traveling by himself. <laughs> now the way, the, and also from, from, from earlier study, I mean, you, when the word chariot, you tend to think of Ben-Hur and the races yeah. and the, or the battle chariots, which probably we do, we do see representations in ancient art of. But also a chariot here could have meant a very large wagon. Uh, where he probably right. had a lot of, you know, and 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 it, it wasn't like standing. He probably had some place to sit down. He probably had a driver, that's mm-hmm. so he could be. Well, uh, right, he was the official. And, so uh, you're saying it's not the chariot, it's a fire chariot that you. No, all think yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, and, and so yes, it, it plays to, to that. I, I, if, if I may, um, yeah, go ahead. You know, we have in J school way back in J school, they always taught you, and you do journalism. Is that you know, don't don't talk vagueness, tell story. And so we get early in the we get oh they got scattered and preached the world and, and preached the word and Philip went down to Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. Then we get I mean the Lord of course tells them to go south, um, but we get a, a direct a, a, a direct anecdote a real story about how Philip was involved in the conversion of an important official, who by implication is going to take all this back to the Queen's court 
of Ethiopia. Oh, absolutely. Um, He's going to be believed. Yes. And, and, yeah. Well, um, and he wasn't a Jew. Now, now may, may I ask, I, I, was, I guess my question is, was then what, what brought him to Jerusalem to worship? But it says he was coming to the to coming to the synagogue to worship. So at some point in time, he had been converted. Oh, okay. So he, he was a proselyte. Yes. Okay. Would, would okay. be the right word. Okay. Right. He right. Was, okay. All right. Gentile okay. who had converted right. to a Jew. Okay. Right. That's that's and, that's right. And probably, and there's a lot of proof of this. There's a pretty large sect of Jewish people, kind of in the Ethiopian area. Oh yeah. And yeah. this comes mm -hmm. probably from the Queen of Sheba. That she took mm -hmm. the religion from Solomon. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this is one of those. And then, and then, what amazes me is, is we kind of we jumped into this. And and if we go back, last week when we met, the apostles had gone through their very first persecution. We missed two arrests in the middle here. They get arrested again. The angel lets them out in the middle of the night and they show up in the temple preaching again <laughs> mm -hmm. and then they get arrested again and the high priest and everybody is, starts talking and saying hey what do we do in here this is crazy and they kick them out and this is when you get the famous um, saying from Gamal hey if this is from God then it's going to succeed and there's nothing we can do if it's not from God <coughs> it will die out on its own then we get into the whole part of where people lie to the Holy Spirit basically and are dropped dead. And there's a very that that's always thought of as harsh, but there was a discipline there for the church at that moment that was taught. Mm -hmm. Then you move into Stephen and where he comes from right before this, and this was the disciples exercising some men leadership pieces, because basically the disciples figure out, you know, and it's your your statement, find the people and put them in the right places. <laughs> it's the disciples figuring out very quickly that we can't be in charge of passing the food out to everybody because we got to worry about the ministry. So we're going to go appoint these seven guys. And once again, another leadership principle, the Greek women were the women complaining because they felt they were getting shortened in the offering. So they go and grab Greek Gentiles right, and appoint them in it. So you go and find somebody who was in the opposition party, basically, and put them in charge. And then Stephen gets singled out here and... We kind of get, we go 6, 8 through 10, and between 6, 10 and Acts 7, 54, Stephen goes through and basically tells the whole story of Israel and how that whole story of Israel's redemption through the Passover and everything relates back to Jesus. And then this is something Blurry referred to in our first Acts study. It talks about, and then Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of those we see the power of the Spirit again and again and again. And notice he says, I see the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. <laughs> Basically. Because that's the whole, I see heaven open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So he's equating God with Jesus. And then this is when they come, haul him out and stone him to death. And notice the chief priests technically don't convict him and sentence him to death. Because remember, they weren't allowed to do that. Right. Just like they weren't allowed to send his Christ. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But you kind of get the feeling here, they kind of go, oh, didn't see anything. Right. And, right. <laughs> Got, oh, oh, oh. Right. Oh, my gosh. They took that man out and killed him. He must have done something bad. You know, kind of thing here. And so now we've got the point, and 
we see the first appearance of someone who's going to be very important in our story moving Well, on. they have an agent at that point. The, the, yeah. the Pharisees have Saul as their yeah, he, minister of... He, he is their... Their Himmler. And, uh, yes. yes. And, and, That's and, a very and, good description, right. actually. Uh, and, and so now we got, we got the translation. They laid their cloaks clothes at the feet. I, I think some translations have uh, soul looked on with approval. Yeah, um, well, you and see and him some, at the edge And there. some actually even go so far as to say that Saul was holding some of them. Mm-hmm. So and, it and, depends on the and, um, But uh, he was definitely, yes, yeah, we are introduced to him at this scene here. At, and uh, uh, and I, I find it interesting. He, he gets really introduced here has kind of almost in a side character. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, though, and I want to ask, bring in our attorney and prosecutor in on this particular point. Don't you think that um, when the crowd, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him, the high priest decided that there was enough momentum to just let this go to conviction and execution by the stoning of Stephen. Do you, you know what? They didn't feel the need to stand up and endorse it, but because it was had so much momentum, they just kind of let it roll into a stoning. I think they promoted it. I mean, I, I think it's ah, really clear because they. Yeah, okay. But once he said, "I saw Christ standing by the." Going back to Robert's explanation of all this, prior to to them uh, condemning him, uh, Stephen told them how they had all, in previous history, their parents had killed the previous prophets, which had told them about Jehovah God. And they were notorious for not doing things that served the Lord, but rather blaspheming the God themselves. And they had done this by killing Christ and putting him on the cross. Mm-hmm. To protect their own position. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yes. Well, self-interest. And if you if you look the verses right before now, Stephen, uh, right before when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth. Basically, say, "You stiff-necked yes. and uncircumcised and hardened ears, yes. you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets killed? You? Which of the prophets did your forefathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, whom you have just now become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction Robert, of angels Robert, and you not opened, absolutely. You went down that I have to say, Stephen, Stephen tells, tells this tale, yes. tells this story, I should say, worthy of O. Henry. Oh, because yes. he oh, goes yes. back to Abraham and he starts the whole story. Yes, the family, the family. and I'm sure the Pharisees are sitting oh, there going, "Yeah, yeah, that's us." That's us. and then he turns around at the very end and says, "You know something? You, you're the guy. You're the very guys who built that temple and sat up there in it and declaimed, you know, persecuted yep. every." Oh, who a, came along. And, and, and suddenly they go, what? <laughs> We're right. supposed to be the hero. And he right. also right. tell him, and you're the same people who were there when Christ, Christ. was yes. killed. Yes. Well, he and he equates them. He equates them with them. But he certainly equates those this is, And this together. is not how the Pharisees saw themselves. That, and that's and, exactly why, that when they're, why mm-hmm. they're so incensed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were angry to the point mm-hmm. of distraction, and they finally took that and said, okay, 
Stephen, you're out of here. But mom mentality is not or not difficult to stir up. No, no, no. Oh, okay, no. So in the same fashion that you know they had somebody in the crowd, oh, crucify him! Mm -hmm. All it took is a little poking of that crowd to get <laughs> most of them stone right him. along. And I can see that same thing. You're asking money. Well, you just had a couple of people go stone him, stone him. Well, and Stephen had yeah, done a lot him. of that himself, but he by calling them out too. Well, well, Which he said, yeah, yeah, please stone me from <laughs> most. You're not the sons of Abraham. You're the sons of Lucifer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. He yeah. literally yeah. says that. Yeah. Literally, he yeah. literally all says that. But I, what what is amazing to me though is the description they have a young Saul. I mean, it mm -hmm. it's it's almost as if he was an authority figure, even though he was young. They didn't they didn't single well, out. He they was. didn't single yeah. out an old. No. Uh, Pharisee, Pharisee someone who had been there forever. They they singled out the young buck, the the one who was going to be. Most this, this is a this is a preview of, of okay. next week, which I've already got started to study because I'm doing the I'm back to class next week, next this Sunday. Oh, you have class? Yes, I'm going to go teach. But Saul was a rising star. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He, yeah. He, well, he was been in the Sanhedrin for a good number yeah, of years. Yeah. And and we we hear he's young and and and. Uh, um, and and certainly full of Vibenberger, as we'll see, and very zealous, but also very, as we learn through the epistles, he's very very learned in the scripture, and oh, yes. and he was this rising star, and 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 we see he's, well, that's and why on he's on top of that. He was a Roman citizen too, mm -hmm. so yeah. he could he yeah. was yeah, doing mm -hmm. double duty there. Yeah. He, he was he he was your he was your twenty five year old MBA from Harvard. <laughs> That you hired in your company mm -hmm. to come and lead that startup division into mm -hmm. glory. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and he had an opportunity to yes. really advance his career mm -hmm. oh, in yes. the eyes of the Sanhedrin mm -hmm. and everything else. You're going to go kill a bunch of people for us? Great. We'll you're, look at you. And actually, actually, well, you're protecting our own. You're, yes. you're, 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 yes. the, you're the protector. Protector of the faith. Yes. Defender of the faith. Well, yeah. and it's interesting because... Saul was doing exactly the same thing that Gal Galileo, I can't say his name, had warned them against. Mm -hmm. Yes. Who was his teacher? Which, which, and, and Gamal was his teacher. teacher. Yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, that was said, part of why just, he was such a well thought up. Just let it go because it's either going to mm -hmm. run its course or you yep. can't do anything about it. Saul, I mean, it's it was so, in one ear and out the other, and he's off. Absolutely amazing, uh, the turn of events, uh, and not to get too far ahead, but um, just looking at Saul as he becomes Paul, just reminds me of my farming roots, and also as who, who Kyle is also a salesman in here, <clears throat> and if a horse is hard to break that horse will never leave you because once you finally break it nobody else will ever be able to break it a horse that is easy to break anybody can break same way it goes with people if I can walk in and sell a person the next guy can do the same but if I have a customer that's hard to sell and I finally sell them, nobody will take that customer away from me. 
Same principle goes for Saul. Well, and, and not only that, but, but you see in the next passage, he, he actually, he's the leader running around grabbing the guys out of the houses. It, he is a much zealot. From, yes. He's the secret. He's, yeah. the, he's, the, he's Savak or whatever, the secret police. <laughs> oh, yeah. Knock on the door that you don't want. Absolutely. Um, I, I, does anybody, because I want to wind it back a bit to Philip, because go ahead. Lesson, yeah. lesson no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 uh, um, and we get his kind of obedience in this. He, his first, he, he goes to Samaria. He, he, he exits Jerusalem and heads to Samaria slightly in the north. Uh, again, as the, as the lesson talks about, he's, he, he's starting to break cultural boundaries. He's, fo- he's following the example of Jesus who, who talked to the Samaritan woman and he's going to spread the word to Samaria, Samaria, which is, from what I understand about the climate of that time, is not a not a, the worst place to hang out in. And he gets a call from the Lord to go to now pick up and go south to Gaza, the Gaza Strip, which which is is still in the news today, but it's it's on that southwest uh, corner of of what was Israel, if it's an occupied territory along the right. coast of the Mediterranean, go down. And I'm sure because of it, where it was, there was that's where the road was. It probably followed the coastline. Right. Um, and he just, they just say he didn't say the Lord doesn't give any reason. Just go south to Samaria. So Philip has to make this rather long trek back through, probably back through or fairly close to Jerusalem. Oh, most definitely um, close yeah. to it. Right. Yeah. He, he sideswipes um, through Bethlehem is my yes. best. And, and, if he doesn't go straight through. And uh, and sure enough, again, maybe because he's out a little bit of a grounding in outside the outside the Jewish culture of of, of Jerusalem and, and, and uh, that area of Judea, he meets this Ethiopian eunuch and that's that's the opportunity that the Lord presents to him and um, and and as as we talked before, probably talks to baptizes, but someone who might become very influential. And when you think about it, he had a that the, the eunuch had to travel through Egypt. He still had a long part of that road left to Ethiopia, where who knows he who he could have talked oh, yeah. to. So that 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 was spreading in and and lesson ends up with this. Despite the persecution going on, despite Saul arresting people, which and the word, the Lord was winning. <laughs> it was winning, right? Right. <laughs> well, and and there's there's a spiritual lesson there, and there's also a man lesson there. A man mm-hmm. lesson in the sense that when we face opposition, when we know we're right, you know, you have to mm-hmm. weigh your opposition, but when we know we're right. It's not the time to run and tuck your tail. It's the time to get going. You know, and follow up. And this is one of those where obviously they knew they were mm-hmm. right. And they scatter, but they don't stop. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> had, we had an interesting discussion in our, our Bible study on this. Um, and uh, maybe on this and, and, and the lesson before this. But... Um, now, in the U.S., you're probably not going to be arrested. You're not going to be arrested and thrown in jail for being a Christian. But, right, right. but in the workplace, right. I mean, I'd, I'd go around the room here. In the workplace, uh, and some of, us, some of us are exempt because we don't, we don't have, we have a workplace, but it's conceivable that a boss or a supervisor could come to you and say, well, the fact that you... Sit in the lunchroom in the cafeteria in the lunch in the office lunchroom, uh, and you read your Bible and do a devotion. That 
that, un that, that's unsettling to some people around here, and we'd rather you not do that. In fact, we'd rather you not bring your Bible to work and you, you do none of your praying here or, or uh, you know, do anything that indicates you are, are a Christian in the workplace. Um, what do you... Do you try to compromise around? Do you, do you try to... What do you do? Well, what, what does one do in that situation? Well, I can tell you this. The only time that I ever had that happen to me is I was a manager of a uh, auto repair center. And I was, I was going to this church. And they told me, they go, uh, I was the manager, and they told me, they said, Bill, we're going to go to seven days a week. I said, not a problem. I'll have the door open. I'll have my assistant manager here on Sunday. He goes, you don't understand. You will be here on Sunday. I told him, I go, you know, I go to church. Always have, always will. And if you're going to make me work seven days a week, I'm going to give you my two-week notice. And I had, a, but here's the thing. I was young then. I didn't have family issues. I, I was, a, I had a family of one, me. And so it wasn't that huge of a burden. I wasn't... I wasn't so concerned. I had male issues, but I didn't have really man issues, man and family pressures and stuff. And the funny thing about that story is the, uh, the uh, manager goes, oh, well, we can work this out. It'll only be for a couple of months. <laughs> I go, no, apparently you don't really respect me. And so I went and I came to this church. I told my story in the Sunday school class. And uh, one of the guys in there, his name was also Bill, he goes, hey, dude. We're looking for a salesman. You want to apply where I work? We only work five days a week. I did. I got that job. And it was just, it was amazing. But that, that was the only time I had that kind of persecution. But I was so young, I didn't even really totally understand I was being persecuted for my religion. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I was you religious. You choose between your job and your religion. You know? Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. I, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily put it mm -hmm. in that context. But it would be much more difficult if I had back then, if I was married with two kids, like I am now. I, w I mean, I would really have to think about that more than what I did back then. Well, and it's. You know, I told the story a couple of weeks ago. We actually, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I might have done last week. We actually, we actually, we had a contractor who had a Bible verse posted. And because he was a contractor, you know, we don't want none of that basically. So he was let go immediately. Over a Bible yeah. verse? Or a, had a Bible verse. Who recognized <laughs> Sometimes I wonder who recognized Yeah, exactly. It was a, from the story I got, it was a Muslim guy. And the mm -hmm. Muslim saw it, went to somebody, said, I'm offended by that, I want it gone. And now, an employee of the company, okay, this was a contractor, so, and the contractor didn't want to jeopardize their contract, it's my bet. They just said, done. An employee probably would have been told to take it down. Right, maybe, right. Maybe written up, though, was kind of the yep. illusion that we had mm -hmm. that, you know, you got to take it down, but we're going to have to write you up for it. And, you know, yeah, I, I was rather amazed when I heard the story. I was kind of like, okay, this wasn't, you know, the swimsuit calendar, you know, <laughs> right, right, desk right. or anything like that. This was a Bible verse. And I'm kind of like, 
really? <laughs> you know, because, you know, I have, I have Christmas stuff up right now, and it is Christmas stuff. <laughs> right, it's not Happy Holidays, yeah. it's With Merry Christ Christmas. It's, you know, yeah. and I you mean, that winter break stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I do not do winter break. Hey, hey Mike, how about the uh, legal aspect, uh, legal point of view? I mean, there's no safe space at work, you, you have no. Uh, no personal space, or it's all company space. Is that uh, kind of it? You have okay, no right to privacy. Me about me personally, how my situation is. Well, you personally, but you can go in the macro. You can you can talk about. Okay. No, I, I what everything you're saying can apply to anybody here. I am very fortunate in that my leader and the ones above are Christians. Okay. So we don't have any problem like that, and they're believers, and they don't mind expressing it. A few of the people are not uh, necessarily Christians, but they grew up knowing and hearing about the Word and hearing about the Lord. And we uh, had one Muslim, as you mentioned, Robert, and he moved into another area, the, the city attorney's office, where we are not. So, uh, yes, I could see a problem there if our boss was a Muslim or was of another religion that's aggressive or, or a very outspoken uh, I can see that. Right now, I'm in a fortunate situation where I don't have that problem, Bill. At the macro level, my understanding from an HR perspective is that company rules, correct? Mm -hmm. Right, company rules. You have no private space at your at your yeah, yeah, no, I, <clears throat> Right. And Kyle, because you uh, go everywhere, um, and you always wear at least a cross on your lapel, collar or your name tag any any issue with that as you go from place to place or you or know, anything i don't really have any issues that have arrived or you know come up from that <clears throat> um, it more often opens up a door than anything else you know right. um I, I sat down it's a positive uh, rather than a negative right you know i've, I've been in a grocery store um it was years after I'd gotten out of the retail, but it was somebody I still knew um, wearing my cross. And, oh, well, you know, you're a Christian or something like that or, you know, whatever he said. And he just started unloading. It was, he knew that I would be able to accept it, whatever he was saying. Um, just the other day, I sat down with a, a, a three ladies and talked, you know, insurance. And uh, at the end of it, the other two ladies left and I was still chatting with the one and she says, well, tell me about the cross. I mean, she was obviously talking about my lapel. Mm -hmm. And so that just opened up that door. Um, you know, on the other side of it, I really don't care. You know? <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> if you have a problem with me because I'm a Christian, ask me to leave. I'll be happy. I'll get up. I won't be happy about it because I'm losing a sale or whatever. But, you know, I, I sat down with a guy the other day that... Uh, we didn't get into it all the way, but he was obviously Muslim. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we had a really great conversation, and I'm facing him where he is staring at my cross. Well, he I'm, didn't have a problem I, at it, all. It's rather silly to be insulted in this day and age to be insulted by. I'm not insulted by someone who wears a crescent. I mean, they're just wearing that as an outward expression. Exactly. And it's not. I, it's not an attack <laughs> against me. Right. Well, here's the point. The point is. <laughs> Those are those are just symbols. Mm -hmm. The yes. importance and how important it is is based on our opinion mm -hmm. of that symbol. 
Okay? Yeah. Whether, I mean, uh, you know, the symbol doesn't change. What changes is our opinion and how vehemently we are attached to that opinion. But one thing about uh, going back to the struggle and the persecution, I went back for my mother's memorial. I went back home, and I went back to the small church that I used to go to vacation Bible school at. I love those people. Is that the I, th Mennonite that's church? the Mennonite okay. church. I, their church is so small, it would not be able to fit our choir in it. And those people are just wonderful. I, I absolutely love And I remember the vast majority of them were all just a bunch. We're a lot of years older. But it, it's just wonderful. And the thing about being scattered due to hardship or persecution is this. You have a place to go home to. And so you can really... You not only can you spread the word, but you can update the word by the fact that you're plugged in. I go back almost every year, and I worship at the same place when I go back. And they always want to know. They always want to know what it's like in the big city. <laughs> they, the big city. The older I get, the more I wish, but it'll never happen that I was back there in the country. The grass is always greener. <laughs> but the fact is, that sharing of the ideas, well, and I get, the I get the idea that Peter was doing the same thing. He was sharing with the eunuch, but he was always going to be the conduit between the outliers and the inner circle. Well, and 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 there's something to that on the the shared experience, even in persecution, of having that sense of community, where we absolutely have a, where we have a sense of place to be and a belonging <coughs> that we have, and we have the shared experience and the shared faith. And I think that that's something I think we're going to see more and more as we move. You know, we've been talking for a while now about being in a post-Christian society. Right. You know, that the Christian society existed basically from the time of Constantine when he decided that he needed to paint the cross on all his shields so he'd win the battle to somewhere in America, I'll say 20 to 30 years ago, when we made a flip where we were no longer a in quotes here, Christian nation. Well, when it was a separation of church of yeah. church of state. I was about six years old when the principal of our elementary school came in to the students, and I was in first grade. And she said, starting today, we can no longer say the Lord's Prayer because mm -hmm. the U.S. Supreme Court, our Sanhedrin, <laughs> right, right. has decided that it's got to be separation of church, of church and state. Six years old, and I remember yeah. that so clearly. Well, right. And the day before that, we said the Lord's Prayer every morning. So, I mean, I can see it starting from there, what you're referring to, Robert, right. where it clearly comes out in the open. Where and I, I've just seen the exponential change from a societal standpoint, because we've talked several times about remembering blue laws, mm -hmm. all yes. of us grew up, right. 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 especially in the South. <clears throat> and then Mike and I'm, I'm guessing you're, or Steve, you may remember. I what remember. was it? 
2000-ish when all the states had a referendum on same-sex marriage and it failed everywhere. Oh, and, yet, and then over, the, and more than once 2008, oh, right. whatever, somewhere in there. And within six to ten years, now it is the quote-unquote accepted norm. Why? In the right. land. Because the Supreme Court said it. But it also reflects a change in the attitudes of everyone. And I think as we move forward, this shared expression of faith that we have that's very similar to what the apostles have is what's going to help us move forward. I, th I think, though, it makes it more of an exclusive club. It makes it more of a community, whereas it's more of a community non-exclusive because we have to. Uh, well, not, right, that's the difference. Right now, I, I am gonna I am gonna take the flip side. Okay, okay. good, excellent. Because because I don't. I mean, this whole Christian nation thing that it, to me is packaged nostalgia. It, it's a, well, it's um, a cultural thing. And it's it's a cultural. It's cultural. Yes. And yes, okay. was there more of an influence on certainly on the Protestant Church in America? Yes. yes. Was it good? Well, we can say the debate is whether it was good or bad. <laughs> That's a whole different debate. Right, okay. But, That's right. a whole different debate. Let me get, get to my point and take it back yeah. to the lesson. Right from here, right from right from this these weeks after Pentecost, Christianity was totally countercultural. They were they they didn't want to hear Peter in the Sanhedrin, and they kept arresting them. And finally, they stoned Stephen. And finally, they started going from door to door in a rather quick succession of <laughs> events. And the next thing you know, we really don't want to hear about this Jesus of Nazareth, Messiah, Holy Spirit access. Everyone has access to salvation, um, which is the gospel itself. But we just don't want to hear it. And it was it was in the middle of Rome. I mean, Rome tried. I mean, Rome tried to suppress it. Every everyone tried to su suppress it. Um, and I think, and I don't want to march through history, but you know, you had the you had Martin Luther and the Reformation. But then the church had become a political power into itself. Uh, in through all that, the essential message has been countercultural. So Absolutely. you know, you look you look at America today. I don't think we have the jazz. People thought. America was going to heck in a handbasket. This is this is not an E <laughs> in the Jazz Age. Um, right. They were they were there was the whole slavery issue that there was a whole great awakening around that, and they're saying America's got to find its its Christian roots. This has always been a contest. So I I, I get I, I you know, and each each round seems to be worse and worse. I'll say that. <laughs> right. But nonetheless. Um, I think I think it's I think we should be very careful about thinking about there was some golden age. Oh um, no! Or, I, uh, or, uh, uh, was, I would <coughs> I would agree with you because I think the worst thing that ever happened to American Christianity is it got tied up in patriotism <laughs> <laughs> because it became. Uh, uh, <laughs> that is well, look, the space hey, and, and with that we're going to go ahead and we're going to with that meatball up in the air. I'm not going to let anybody hit it. You know what I'm saying? That's uh, we're going to go ahead. This is podcast number 34, and this is the Man Up podcast, a spiritual oasis for men. We're going to go ahead and you can find us on SoundCloud or on iTunes. We also have a Facebook page at Man-Up and we also have Twitter Man Up. Follow us on Twitter at Man-Up. Man-Up. And with that we're going to go ahead we're going to go around the room one more time let the fellas introduce themselves say who they are so you recognize their voices 
give a summary of what they thought of the lesson, and we're going to call this uh, podcast number 34. We're going to start with uh, Kyle Trahan, our deacon. Um, you know, one last point that I want to bring to it is, you know, that when we're talking about Philip here, he was sent an angel and said, hey, go. Didn't know why. He did follow the prompting that he was given. Of course, you know, you're visited by an angel. What else are you going to do, right? But the point is, is he didn't know why he was heading down the road. And he ran into somebody that needed to fill in the gaps for him to understand. And so sometimes it's just following the prompting from God to do something that we're not sure of or even scared of doing because it may put you in the position at the right time, at the right place, to be there for that person that you need to be there for. And in this story's case, that was the Ethiopian. And it was just along the road that God told him to, and bam, there's your opportunity. Fertile ground. Amen. Michael Cropper. <clears throat> yes, again, I, I, I like the part that we've seen a couple times now that we're, uh, the book itself going viral, the birth and advance of the church, uh, where God uses things that we would apparently to believe, be see as disastrous. The death of Christ uh, turned out to be a necessity for the for the spreading of the gospel and and to releasing his apostles and disciples into the world to teach and preach the gospel. And then the death of Stephen, God used again to further the gospel out from the walls of. Jerusalem and out into the furthermost ends of the earth. So to me, I, I, I again, I look at the part where we see something is really bad, but later we can come back and look at it and see it as God's hand in it completely. And I, I just think it's great that we can see this through the scriptures. Excellent. And uh, we gave him a special pass to let him in, even though he is a pastor, Larry Post. Um, to me, there's two two aspects of the condition of man at this point in time. One is their complacency. They, they were in their comfort zone. They didn't want to get out. And yet, the, the way that God chose to get them out of that was through persecution. And that scattered them. And I think back over history real briefly that this has happened a number of times through history. And one comes to mind is the, um, for, from this time, for about 1,500 years, as somebody had talked about earlier, the church and the state were very tightly integrated. And in the, the early 1600s, a group of people had finally gotten to the point to where the persecution by the Church of England was so great and so oppressive that they finally left and they escaped to Norway. And for the next, and this was in probably 16, 10, 11, somewhere in there. And so they, they were able to worship in and of themselves up there. And there was a group that finally, about eight or nine years later, said, you know, we've heard of this place that where supposedly we can worship just like we want to. We don't have to flee. We don't have to do anything. 
So what they did, there was about 40 of them that got together and hired this boat and went to the new, what they call the New World. They got on this thing called the Mayflower and they went over and they established what we've all been talking about. The original part of it, the goodness of, the, of America. Right. Now, it's obviously deteriorated a little bit as we've right. been talking about. Right. But in all fairness, that's, the, that's one of the things that at the time was a very bad thing because there was a lot of people who had to flee their homes, go to a foreign country, and then to a whole new world. But we, in, like, like you said, we can look back on this and see God's hand in that in mighty and glorious ways. Excellent, excellent. And Steve? Then we killed the Indians. <laughs> oh, right, right. We didn't do that good a job sometimes right, in right, right. spreading the word. I, I, I said I had to right, right, right. Um, I had to drop the bomb. Uh, that was uh, Steve Titch. <laughs> Our favorite wanna, policy if, analyst. Kate, you, you want to do some hate in, mail. In some cases, I, I should say to be halfway serious, the church has done better in spreading the word when it's been oppressed than yes. when it's yes. oh, absolutely. Yes. been absolutely. the power in things. Yeah. So the, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of season my, my smart aleck and us with that. Ah, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Professor Robert Koshu. Yeah, don't be afraid as Christian men to be countercultural. The, the original gospel message is countercultural. And we stand out today as more countercultural than we have in over a generation. And don't be afraid to be Countercultural in our message and be one to share it. Everybody get an earring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, can I put? Can I put? Can I put it in my nose? Uh, <laughs> Let me read one passage. Uh, one final passage from Pastor Post. In chapter seven of Acts, uh, verse um, verse six, he said, "But God spoke to this effect that His descendants would be aliens in a foreign land, uh -huh. and they would be enslaved and mistreated for four hundred years." Oh, yeah. I've been an alien in this land for a uh, oh, little over 20. So uh, I totally years old. Uh, right. Well, I am. Hey, enough about that. And uh, this has been the Man Up podcast. Glad you are here with us. And we want to encourage you to man up, find a Bible-based church, go to a men's only adult Bible fellowship, and if there isn't one there, start one. My name is Bill Cox. This is Man Up. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Man Up. You want anything. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man. Created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.